Hey y'all, good morning. And it's Bud with Nolcast. Wanted to try out a little live thing this morning and reward everybody who got us to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube, and especially those of y'all who've decided to turn notifications on. If you did, well, then guess what? You're getting this podcast directly to you. We will, we will be putting this uh, on the audio feed as well, so no need to worry about that. Hope everybody had a great weekend. I certainly did on the Cover 3 podcast. Not to brag, but I went 6-0 and against the spread, so make sure you guys follow Cover 3 as well. Pretty fun time that we have over there. Talking more general college football every day. Um, but uh, this morning, I wanted to get into something. and We will, of course, uh, archive this and, and post it as its own video. I've been owing somebody something for a while. And this is important. I need to get to this because I, I told him I would do it. And, uh, and I'm going to do it. So we have a listener named Josh, loyal Patreon supporter of ours. And he asked a question. <clears throat> He actually asks a lot of questions, and uh, they're usually really, really long, and we don't always take his questions because I feel like it kind of disrupts the, the flow of the show, to be frank. I'm, I'm not uh, not always into reading questions that are like three pages long, but I did tell him that I would do it. I told him it probably needs to be its own show. So, Josh, this is for you, buddy. All right. So he writes, I'm just going to read this whole thing, and then I have basically a page of breakdown, and I went and dug up some old archives and some old Google chat archives with my buddy Bill Connolly here as well, since part of this question uh, does concern that. So he writes, uh, looking back at the 2010 FSU schedule, it looks pretty comfortable or comparable to this coming season. If you look at the SP pluses, that's Bill Connolly's rating system, right? SP plus back in the day, it was called S and P plus, but you know, the stock exchange didn't love that. Anyway, uh, the S and P pluses of our opponents in 2010 by how they ended 2009 prior to 2010. You know, Clemson wasn't Clemson yet, uh, but they were a top 25 team. Uh, at Oklahoma game was essentially comparable to our 2021, you know, at Clemson game. Uh, and 2021 Notre Dame uh, was comparable to our 2010 uh, Clemson game. I promise you I'll, I'll make this a little more clear in a second. Florida was number one and on top of the world before we knew they'd fall off a cliff in 2010. Miami finished top 10 in both 09 and 10. And you had to beat BYU and NC State, who were top 30 or 35 teams coming into 2010. We also didn't have non-FCS gimmies like Syracuse and UMass uh, that year either. As for our opponents, final rankings of 2010. The average SP Plus rank was still comparable to 2009, uh, only that some teams did worse than the year before and vice versa. This leads me to some questions. Uh, I understand that this 2021 team isn't as talented as 2010, uh, but hindsight plays a part in that. Are we putting too much stock on our viewing experiences during a 2020 COVID season that was chaotic for the vast majority of teams? as well as our viewing experiences from the Taggart era, that we've become so pessimistic and filled with PTSD that we feel like six and six, five and seven, seven and five are truly the most likely record scenarios. Uh, and I'd even, well, I'll, I'll save that for a second, but I definitely don't think seven and five is one of the three most likely records. Uh, let's assume Norvell with a real off season is on the same level playing, playing field as 2010 Jimbo. Maybe not in terms of talent, though I think it's closer than we think if we take the pre-2010 view. Uh, and not post 2010. Shouldn't seven and five, eight and four, six and six actually be more likely for 2021? Much like eight and four, nine and three, seven and five were probably more likely scenarios for the 2010 team. I know prior to that season, I thought seven and five, six and six, you know, eight and four were probably the most likely. Uh, I never dreamed we'd go nine and three, which that 2010 team did. Uh, but a lot of that was based on my pessimism and lost decade era PTSD. Are we making the same mistake? So, Josh, 
Really appreciate the question. Uh, if that was difficult for y'all to follow at home, I apologize, but I, you know, we got a pretty smart audience here, so I, I'm hoping everybody will uh, will be cool with it. So let's go ahead and break this down. Nine and three for that for that team. Um, I certainly did not expect that team to go nine and three in 2010. Absolutely did not. Just not uh, not something I thought was was real likely. However, um, I do think 2010 there was some real interesting stuff going on. I'm just going to go down Josh's question here because I, I don't agree with him uh, that you know eight and four and seven and five are, are some of the most likely outcomes for this team. But I first want to acknowledge that his main point about if we're basing things on 2020, which was a major COVID year and probably very unreliable as to the results up and down the sport, that he absolutely could be right. I do not have a ton of confidence in what this FSU team is going to do this year, and I don't. That, that does not mean I think they're going to suck. What I'm saying is. I don't have a ton of confidence in any singular outcome for this team this year uh, because last year's priors are all pretty jacked up. We don't know what teams are going to look like uh, for this upcoming year. However, I, I do want to point out a couple things. Number one, you know, he notes that Syracuse is a gimme. And I think you can probably say Syracuse is a gimme, but if you do, do you also need to put games like Clemson and North Carolina and gimme's in the opposite bucket, as in, you know, games that are basically not winnable? Because logically, I don't think it follows that you can say Syracuse is a gimme win without saying that there are certain gimme losses on this schedule. If the teams are as good as we think they are. Now, that's key, right? And I want to get into this. This is something I think is, is pretty important here. Because in digging back into this, I actually found the preseason rankings for 2010 SP+. Plus that Josh was, I think, trying to sort of reverse engineer here. But I actually found him. Um, and I think this illustrates something. We don't know as much about these opponents as we really think we do. And that's for any given year. You know, we talked about this on cover on the Cover 3 podcast on Saturday. Did you know that as of the time of recording, so all the big games were done on Saturday, five of the six games for spreads and totals did not land within two touchdowns of the Vegas spread? Even Las Vegas, the guys who make their money on this stuff, they don't know as much about all these teams early in the year as you think they do. Neither does SP Plus, neither certainly does the AP poll or, or the coaches poll, which are not nearly as good or predictive as, as an advanced system like SP Plus does. Um, but I do want to point out that I think that 2010 schedule was a lot easier than what FSU schedule is, in my opinion. Now, I could be wrong on this. SP Plus could be wrong on this. There are a decent number of teams, though, on that 2010 schedule, I'm going to read it off to you, that were not as good as we thought they were going to be in the preseason. In fact, I think you can argue as a whole that the, the opponents on FSU schedule uh, were much more disappointing than expected in 2010. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go over some of this stuff first. All right. So Clemson... Uh, was 12th in SP Plus to start the year. Where did they finish in 2010? 37th. So from that perspective, you were coming into the year believing that team was going to be a really tough opponent, probably an opponent that was a little bit above where you were going to be, a team that had put some beatdowns on you in recent years. They finished 37th. Not, not super impressive, right? FSU, by the way, in 2010 finished... Let me see here. Finished 17th in SP Plus, right? They really 
they they massively overachieved what their preseason preseason number was going to be as well. But Clemson finished 37. So independent of FSU, Clemson really disappointed that year. Miami 13th and 13th. They had some weird losses, but overall they they had a lot more you know dominant performances than they did, uh, and they were very rarely blown out. Florida, another one. We went into the 2010 season thinking Florida, okay, number two in SP plus preseason, very high in the polls. We didn't know Urban Meyer was going to have uh, health problems, and they finished 26th. In basically no circumstance could I tell you, like this would be essentially me telling you, hey, Clemson, number two team in in, in you know the AP poll starting the year this year, right? Clemson, number two in SP plus starting the year this year. Guys, they're going to finish outside the top 25. They're going to finish 26th. You would say, Bud, you're a crazy person. But this stuff does happen in a sport like college football. And I think it could happen this year because of the, our priors being 2010, which are really, really weird priors. But I don't think it's likely that you're going to see this happen again, right? So Oklahoma, fifth in the preseason SP+. Plus, they finished 10th. Man, I tell you what. Going into that year, man, Clemson, a top 12 team, Miami, a top 13 team, Florida, a top two team, Oklahoma, top five team. Looks really tough. 37th, 13th, 26th, 10th. That was a huge break. And FSU won a couple of those games, obviously, right? Now, they did get, you know, beat by Oklahoma, but still. Uh, you know, that that was really, really big. And they got some good turnover luck in at least one of those games, which also helps. Here's the other thing, though. I, I really believe that those teams that she was playing, for the most part, on the schedule, were also a little bit tougher up and down now than they were in the preseason. So, sorry, I got my notepad here. Wake Forest that year finished 93rd. BYU 59th. Virginia, which FSU stopped, 68th. BC 48th. NC State, which was expected to be a pretty good team, 39th, UNC 44th, and Maryland 52nd. What I'm not hearing a whole lot there is teams in that top 40 level. I'm not hearing enough teams in that top 25 level on that schedule. That schedule ended up being not nearly as, as difficult uh, as we expected it to believe. So there was a confluence of factors. First, FSU was a lot better than we thought it was going to be. They really gelled at the right times. Second, FSU got some serious breaks turnover-wise in some very important games. You know, they also got, you know, they, they got blown out a couple times. But in the close games, they got some nice turnover breaks that were, were, were helpful uh, to them. Third, a good number of the opponents on that schedule were considerably worse in the postseason, you know, at the end of the year, than we expected them to be coming into the year. And not just we as in like the old cast, but, you know, we as in the college football systems in general. All right. I'm going to read you the preseason SP Plus now for FSU schedule this year. So Clemson 2nd, Miami 8th, North Carolina 11th, Florida 12th, Notre Dame 18th. If that plays out anywhere close to correct, this schedule is a hell of a lot harder than that 2010 schedule. That 2010 schedule, one top 10 team, Oklahoma. They played another top 10 team or another you know, top 15 team in Miami, finished 13th. Beat them, by the way. Then nobody else in the top 25. Several teams in the 50s, 60s, 90s. That's a hell of a lot easier to beat. I think a tremendous goal, by the way, for this year's team would be to be a top 50 type team. Last year, they were, what, in the 80s? You know, 
a top 50 jump to me would be pretty damn impressive. I'll continue, by the way. Then they play Louisville, NC State, BC, and Wake. Those are sort of the four quote-unquote toss-up type games because they do have to go to Wake, obviously, you know, and, and to BC, and BC is a sandwich game. They need a couple of those teams, I think, if you're going to get to a bowl, to be worse than we think. They need Louisville to actually collapse and have you know the, the ramifications of Scott Satterfield flirting with the South Carolina job come home to roost. They they need Boston College's defense not to st- not to take a step forward. They need NC State maybe to not be quite as good as Bud thinks they're going to be because I think they're going to be pretty damn good. And I think that's the best team of those four I just read off. So yeah, I, I do think that is a, an important thing to look at. It doesn't mean that, that I'm, I'm going to be right about this. It doesn't mean Bill Connolly or... ESPN or anybody else is going to be right about this because we really don't know. Um, now, let's talk about this. How much stock are you putting in 2020 viewing? Because Josh brings up a good point here with his question. I would say that I think it is possible we're putting too much stock in 2020 viewing because teams had weird stuff going on. But the one thing that I'm not putting too much stock in 2020 viewing, I think, is Florida State because I we actually get feedback from actual practice. And I do not believe this fall camp prep issue has been all that good because they've had guys out with injury, with contact tracing. There's been, you know, decent number of times when, you know, especially in that first and second week of fall practice where they you know, had a lot of very weird combinations of players that I don't believe are going to be starters, <laughs> you know, putting together. And I question how much work they were able to get done on a consistent basis. You know, um, I think there's some, some transfers we brought in who are going absolutely going to hit. I think there are some transfers uh, who you brought in who you had to take a chance on, as we just talked about in the quarterback preview, who so far don't look like hits, right? You know, that's that's tough. But I think where we really could be wrong on stuff is our opinions of other teams. I don't get to see preseason practice for these other teams, so I don't know how some of their preseason practices are going. I can read about it to the extent that, that that's going to be accurate, but we don't really know. And I do think a lot of these projection systems are funky this year, you know, just because one of their inputs, one of their data points is that 2020 season. That's a difficult thing. The computer doesn't know it was a COVID year. Some of these teams only played, now most of the team that have issue schedule are not like this because they're Eastern teams and Southern teams and weren't from out West. But some of these teams in college football this year, you know, they're being judged on having played four five, six games last year. And that, that's tough, guys. Like, that's not, you know, necessarily a great sample set, right? So it is possible that that the strength of these opponents that we think we know about um, is that we're, we're more guessing than normal. I, I feel less confident in my preseason predictions this year than I have in, in almost any year, simply because one of the priors that we're using to make them you know, was, was, 2010, or was 2020. Uh, Josh also contends that Norvell with the full offseason is, is uh, uh, basically on the same level as 2010 Jimbo I, as far as, I, I guess, what, comfort with the team and all that stuff. And I fully disagree with this. I mean, this is the first year that he's been around, being able to around these guys for full time. And this is a team of mercenaries. Like, let's not get it twisted, right? I mean, this is a team full of transfers who has not been in the program. They went out and took a bunch of transfers. I appreciate that. Got some comments here. I, I wouldn't check the comments yet. Good morning, go Knowles. Hashtag Mike got us. Awesome. All right. And uh, uh, Sub says, what's up? Awesome, guys. Appreciate the comments here. This was the first first offseason Mike's been able to have around these guys. 
And while Jimbo was not the head coach, he certainly was around the players in that 2010 team, you know, for the most part for quite a long time. And because he was the offensive coordinator for the prior three years and the head coach in waiting. So everybody knew that he was going to be the guy, at least internally. They the, the players certainly did with that title. And he, he was able to see it and hit the ground running because he saw how they interact. In fact, probably did that so well that they made that rule that you can no longer be a head coach in waiting uh, and still go out on the road and recruit. So, no, I, I would totally disagree with that. I do not think that the uh, as far as knowledge of the team, comfort level in the system, all that kind of stuff. I don't believe 2020 or 2021 Norvell is anywhere close to uh, 2010 Jimbo as far as experience with his players and, and that type of stuff. I mean, hell. If Jimbo was going to start 11 transfers in 2010, I would I would have probably said the same thing. But it, more than half FSU starters are going to be transfers this year, guys. It's it's a mercenary team. Uh, anyway, look, I, I don't think that Josh's cre- question is entirely crazy. If he had asked me it coming off a non-COVID year, maybe I would. But the bottom line is we, we don't actually for sure know. We can project and, I mean, I'm... We'll see how that goes, but we don't absolutely know what what happens if if Miami is not that good this year. Now it's unlikely, I think, that we have this downside stuff quite so much because so many teams return so much experience. Like FSU's experience, as far as returning experience, is not very good compared to its opponents because, again, it's a team of mercenaries, a bunch of transfers. It's not like they have a whole lot of like ingrained culture going on here, you know. Um, you got teams like Miami that have the most experienced offensive line in the country and return a ton of returning experience. That's that's a fairly big deal. To me, it suggests there is probably, in investing term, less downside risk for teams that return all that experience that have played together in that system for so long. Uh, but it's certainly possible that one or two of those teams could be a lot worse than we think. It's also possible that FSU could be a lot worse than we think. Look, I'm, I'm projecting FSU this year to have a, a, a much better year than they did last year as far as quality of play. I think they have a, a legitimate chance to double their win total. But I do think four and eight is probably more likely than seven and five. I just wouldn't bet on it because I really don't know if we can trust what we saw last year. Not from FSU. I think a lot of what we saw last year has been confirmed in fall camp this year. But from the opponents, we just don't know how good they're going to be. Josh, Appreciate it. It was a fun question. I'll throw this up in the podcast feed as well. And I uh, really appreciate everybody watching us. Thanks for getting us to 1,000 views on YouTube. Uh, I guess I'll take a couple questions here from the p- folks who are still watching this. And remember, if you didn't get this to pop up on your phone or on your computer for notifications, make sure you turn notifications on because when we go live, sometimes we're going to do it without telling you we're going live. We just want to see how many people have those notifications on and uh, it really helps us out. So uh, I'll wait about 20 more seconds here, and then we will go ahead and uh, we'll post this up. All right, I'm definitely not taking that one. I think that one's spam. All right, uh, well, I appreciate it, guys. 
and we will uh we'll see y'all next time